Hey everybody, it's Richard Blaine with Oh the Humanity, and uh, I've been out for a little bit because I had a cold, and let's just hope that that's subsided enough so that I could, you know, do this podcast. And because, and I'm doing something very different today. I'm not reading any chapter from my book that I've been writing, I've been quoting from and reading from, which is called Oh the Humanity, and. Hopefully it will be published one of these days, but uh, that's not what I'm doing in today's episode. I just had a couple of ideas and I wanted to chat about them. Uh, it dawned on me today, you know, I was, um, well, a friend of mine was talking about John Schofield. He's a great guitar player. He was here in Houston, but I didn't get a chance to go see him because various reasons. Um, but I would have loved to seen him, uh, but it made me recall uh, back in college many years ago, and I guess we're talking almost 40 years ago, and I was probably 19 years old, <clears throat> maybe 20, and I was a confident kid, bass player, loved to jam out. You know, when you're a kid, there doesn't have to be a commercial reason always to play music. You just, you're a kid and you love to play music, right? And so I was playing music with some people in Denton, Texas, which is a actually a very famous uh, jazz school, uh, North Texas State. Well, it's, now it's called University of North Texas. And, you know, we were jamming on, and this guitar player, uh, I think his name is David Phelps, I mean, I just enjoyed his playing and he, the way he played. And he, and he said he was really inspired by John Schofield. John Schofield was the guy I was just talking about. He had a concert here in Houston just last week, 40 years later. But he was already inspiring people with his particular style of guitar playing 40 years ago. John Schofield. Check him out, man. <laughs> and cool thing about John Schofield is that he's very relaxed and you know he's still he's very complex he's very deep in the stuff that he plays the the, st the style the the melodies that he has the scales that he uses and stuff but but he's still very relaxed and and you could just and and he became more so later on in, in his career he started playing jam music you know the jam bands <laughs> Medeski, Martin, and Wood hooked up with them. They used to be really serious uh, jazz people too, and they become a lot more jam bandish because it's just more fun. It's easy to play. You get to there's a lot of improvising. So anyway, Sco or Schofield, he has this particular style, and it's just a way to kind of sit in a groove and explore you know explore different scales and different sounds and he's very good at it and he was very inspirational to me and this is back in 1980 <clears throat> excuse me so um i was thinking about that and th th what what occurred to me well i think it's funny that we don't get together and jam 
for fun so much anymore, here in Houston anyway, at this age, <laughs> in the suburbs, right? I think if I were living in downtown, or if I were living in Austin, or who knows, somewhere else is possible. You know, there would be more fun times of just jamming on music for the sake of jamming on music, right? Because when you're young, you don't have to have a reason. You enjoy the moment, and you go for it, and you're learning, and you're exploring, and and I love that, you know, and I love John Schofield. So I'm dedicating this episode to him. But um, the thing that occurred to me when I was thinking about this was that um, there won't be a tomorrow. Like, I'm getting older now. I just had a bad cold, right? And you never know, I could, I could pass away. And I don't want people to be thinking, well, He's in a better place now, or he's looking down on us. Um, no, I, I'm gone. And I really don't want to hurt anybody's feelings with that, because I know that some people have lost loved ones, and they're like, well, I lost my loved person, you know, significant other, but I know he's still there, or she's still there, being part of this situation, part of this moment. Uh, one of the stories I write about was uh, a lady you know, who used to participate in some sort of physical training with a bunch of ladies, right? And she was very fun and had a great time. And then she went missing and was apparently murdered. Uh, but all the ladies from the health group, they were like, well, no, she's still looking down on us every time we get together. Now, I appreciate the fact that they do have those memories. And hopefully there will be a few people uh, who have good memories of me when I'm gone. <laughs> They'll be like, well, he had a st stupid laugh or something like that. I don't know. You know, some sort of good memory. I like the way he played bass or I don't know. I like his, his, a couple of his jokes. Not most of them. <laughs> but I'm just trying to say I'm here now, and you're here now, and I think um, human beings should live their lives in my, this is my opinion now, because I've got a new situation in my life is that I don't believe there's a God, and thereby, I also don't believe that after I die, I'm going to heaven or some other venue, and I'll be you know, participating from afar. I, I'm sorry, I, I'm not there. I mean, that, that could happen or whatever. I, I would have no way to deduce that or discern that right now. And I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go into fantasy land and dream about that just to make myself feel better. I think what I do have, though, what I have is... I'm here and willing to jam. So let's uh, get together and jam because I'm here now and I won't be here tomorrow. Oh, I wrote a poem about that. I sure did. Um, I'm going to read it to you. No, it's not exactly on the same topic, but I mean, it's a little bit. See if I can find it. 
Oh, it's called, He Might Enter This Room Again. I can't say the same for Changanoren. That means father-in-law. He will not enter this or any other room. But that gentleman, whom I do not know, he might enter this one and many others. That's a big difference between the here and now and the there and then, entering the room. That was a very sad poem. I'm sorry for sharing that. But um, you know, I lost my father-in-law. And obviously that was more painful for my wife than for me, but still it was painful for me too. Um, and so that poem, I just had, I jotted it down one day, thinking about him. The, that's a big difference between the here and now and the there and then, entering the room. So, I'm still here now, and I'm happy to be here. And another thing I'm trying to do is be a little bit more honest with who I am while I'm here. Because at, when I'm gone, was I the guy that was telling everybody that, you know, there's going to be uh, angels in heaven, and I'll be looking down on you from heaven, and or was I the guy that was like, well, I don't believe that's true, but I, I am here right now, and I'm willing to talk, jam, write, all sorts of things right now, because I'm here now. Okay, so that was a topic number one. This is just my little improv episode of Oh, the Humanity today. <laughs> Without having anything pre-written, just going for it. How about that? Number two topic is Amber Geiger killed Brother Jane. All right. <clears throat> See if I can find a little bit more about that. Well, you know, Amber Geiger, she's a, a Dallas, she, she was, I, say, I should say, a Dallas police officer who went into a parking garage. And I don't know if you've ever been into parking garages before where they're attached to apartment buildings, but you go up three, four, five, or six floors in the parking garage, and you start to lose track of which floor you're on. I've experienced it quite a few times uh, because for a while I drove Uber and I had to drive you know, pick people up or drop people off, let's say on the fourth floor. Like, you know, I would, I would get a call and I was supposed to pick somebody up on the fourth floor, apartment number, you know, 435 or something like that. And I don't know anything about the apartment building, first of all. So I go up there, I'm on a level three. It's like, oh, shoot, is it level five? If I, oh, there's level four. Looks exactly the same. And I have to go exploring. That's one of the things that made that job terrible. Really, if those people would just go down to the first floor, flag the Uber driver, Uber driver picks them up, it's much simpler for everybody. But whatever. <clears throat> this poor lady, and I'm, I shouldn't say poor lady because people hate her so much, but Amber Geiger um, went to the wrong floor 
this is where she lived. So she probably was overconfident, thinking, well, I know where I'm at. This is my apartment complex, and I'm driving home as usual. She's off-duty. She is a police officer, off-duty, goes up to her apartment, and there's somebody in the apartment. And that was a guy named Botham Jean, it turns out. Well, uh, hey, dude, what are you doing in my apartment? And I think, I don't know the, the whole details of the case, but what I can assume is she told him to, to freeze or to get down on his knees or something like that. Do not move. <clears throat> and, well, I mean, she had no authority there because it was his apartment. Um, but as far as she was thinking, hey, I'm a police officer and I'm in control of the situation, so don't move. So what did he do? He started walking towards her. Which, you know, in her testimony, she felt threatened by that, and she shot him. Which, you know, you're allowed to do that if somebody's in your place of living, and they're coming at you. You can defend yourself, and you shoot him. Well, unfortunately, it was his apartment. She was on the wrong floor, and she got convicted of murder. Um, <clears throat> anyway, just a long story short, the brother of Botham, well, they're, both Botham and his brother were church-going people, right? And you know what they say in, in trials and stuff? Well, he's a church-going guy. It always is supposed to be as if that person is a good person. Well, he goes to church. and Now, in my current state of mind, since I don't believe in God anymore, I don't automatically see that somebody who goes to church necessarily means they're a good person any more than if that person goes to concerts or that person goes to the park. I mean, they go somewhere, okay. But it doesn't make them a good person, necessarily. <clears throat> now, in this case, Botham Jim... He was a choir singer in the church and a very good guy in the community and obviously didn't deserve to get killed. He was not armed. He wasn't threatening other than Amber thought that he was in her apartment. So that's what she thought was a threatening. So uh, she got sentenced and then the, the brother... Botham said, can I ask for a hug? Because he wanted to do the forgiving thing, because when you're a Christian, you forgive others. Even people that you should hate, you demonstrate how much you believe in Jesus by saying, you know, I want to forgive even the person who killed my own brother. I forgive you. <clears throat> can I give you a hug? So she says, sure, okay. So then he hugs her. Then the judge comes down. She was also African-American. And, of course, both, uh, Amber Geiger was not African-American. The judge comes down and participates in the hugging, too, and gives her a little bit of Christian wisdom and a Bible. Here's a Bible for you. And, you know, just read this, and it's going to change your life, help you make better decisions. <clears throat> 
Wow. So I had a joke that I made on Facebook. I was like, well, okay, it's bad enough that I've been now convicted of murder for 10 years and going to prison for 10 years, but now I have to read this crap for the next 10 years? <laughs> because, I mean, can you give me some sort of, I don't know, some science fiction novels or something? Just something a little bit more entertaining because uh, I'm not wanting to be reading the Bible. But that topic uh, became very popular on Facebook. And we started realizing that, you know, when you're in prison, if you pretend that you've become converted or a Christian or a Muslim, then when it comes time to get your parole, you have a better chance because the people on the parole board will be like, well, yeah, he's, he's turned around, you know, he's become a good person. He's going to Bible study, the church, um, within the prison there. And, and we, but the thing is, it may not be for real at all. It's just, uh, people feel like, well, okay, if this is what they want to see. Now, it, I'm not saying it's not true in many cases. You know, I myself was a Christian, and so when I believed in Jesus, I believed in Jesus. And it's a powerful uh, thing that you, you kind of follow along, you read the scripture, you close your eyes and pray, and you feel different because you're meditating on words that are peaceful, or that are about forgiving others. You're meditating on words that are about being gracious. And I like I like those concepts of being gracious, helping others. So then you start to feel like, well, you know, I think I do believe. Uh, I think, in fact, I think I felt God just now. That was the Holy Spirit in my heart, and that's why I'm feeling better today. And you start, next thing you know, you're a true believer, and that could last for the rest of your life. You could be like, okay, of course I believe in God. And that could go on. So I'm not saying that a lot of the prisoners don't actually convert and start believing in a God figure, in a deity who would be um, also known as a, an entity that is not on this earth. Okay, we're not talking about a human being or any other species that we've ever heard of or met. We're talking about a deity, uh, some sort of spiritual being. We don't know where it lives, but we believe, okay? And that's what happens. You start going down the Christian path road, the gospel story. So there you are, going to prison now for 10 years, but you've got a trusty Bible in your hand and you're ready to go. <laughs> oh, and that reminds me of this other story that came up, which was there was a there's a Kentucky governor. Um, what is his name? Let's see if I can find out for you. But anyway, he he instituted a Bring Your Bible to School Day. And this is a great thing for Christians too. Wow, we're going to have a Bring Your Bible to School Day because it's not fair to those poor Christians. They can't bring their Bibles to school and talk to everybody about Jesus in the school, right? So he came up with this Bring Your Bible to School Day. Of course, we're talking about Christian 
Bible. New International Version, probably, or maybe a children's version. This guy, I think his name is Matt Bevan. Yes, Republican. Governor Matt Bevan of Kentucky. <laughs> and it's interesting. So the thing is, though, he's a governor of a state, and he made this video on this page that's truly from the state of Kentucky, you know, encouraging people to bring their Bible to school. And I guess it's not illegal, because the thing about the separation of church and state is, and Christians will continue to remind you of this, that it's not about, it's about establishing a religion. We're not telling people to go establish a religion. We're just saying allow people to practice their religion in school and bring your Bible to school. So I understand where they're coming from. But uh, I found another story that I wanted to share with you. And this can, comes from Patheos, which is a very cool website. And I don't know, this particular subdivision of Patheos is called No Sacred Cows. <laughs> I guess it's some sort of newsletter blog on Patheos. Anyway, this one says, today is bring your Bible to school day. Kids should bring their brains instead. And kids who are celebrating bring your brain to school day can bring copies of On the Origin of Species, A Brief History of Time, or if they're feeling particularly brave, God is not great, how religion poisons everything, poisons everything, or the God delusion. Another possibility is that they bring the belief book to school. And so the author of this article came out with a children's book called The Belief Book. And that was written along with artist and writer Chuck Harrison in order to help kids better understand religions and faith. And since then, it has become pretty popular, especially among secular homeschoolers. Unlike the Bible, The Belief Book provides a fun and fact-based description of where beliefs come from and how they can help shape our everyday lives, for better or worse. The Belief Book also includes games and trivia about deities. <laughs> so that's very cool. Um, the Belief Book also has sequels, which the Bible lacks. See, the Bible doesn't have sequels. If you like the first one, there's also the Book of Gods and the Book of Religions. They double as coloring books and allow children to create their own gods and religions. Hey, that's kind of like Judaism, uh, you know, the big Lebowski. Um, someone created a, a religion about, about him, about the big Lebowski, and just chill out, dude, come on. And, but it's an actual religion, and I don't know how seriously they believe in it or, or, or what, but it's an officially... Um, I don't know what you say, but in this country of the United States, you can create a religion and file for whatever you have to file for to be declared an actual religion. Not unlike Christianity or other religions. We have new ones popping up every year. A few years ago, it was Judaism. So, this belief book um, helps people form their own religion, create their own God, 
That's interesting. Now, organizers of the Bring Your Bible event expect that about 650,000 students will bring their Bible to school in an apparent celebration of blind faith and childhood indoctrination. They are also doing it as a protest to the separation of church and state, which doesn't allow teachers to instruct that one religion is true, but does allow kids to bring personal Bibles. Instead of glorifying scientific ignorance and ancient rumors, imagine if kids brought a book that encourages critical thinking and the scientific method. Instead of hashtag bring your Bible, kids could share their stories using hashtag bring your brain. It could be especially good for people who oppose focus on the family, which has been criticized by the human rights campaign. So how about that article? Um, <clears throat> I think uh, that's very funny. And I don't understand the whole bring your Bible to school motive. I don't understand teaching kids who are very, very young how they've got to believe in Jesus right now. And they don't get a chance to really do critical thinking. And I think they should. I think we all should. Even grown-ups like me, who were once young and like to jam on John, John Schofield. I, I wasn't a Christian back then, by the way. <clears throat> it's interesting. I wasn't that smart of a guy, but I didn't believe in a religion like uh, Christianity. I, I was exploring things such as modern jazz, such as uh, rhythm structures, okay, that that went off of the printed page and, and went more into personal feel between bass and drums and along with the guitar, you know, along with piano or whatever, um, saxophone. So um, I fell into Christianity and it changed my life and not for the good. I hate to say it. I'm so deeply in it. Well, I'm not deep, deep in it anymore, although I have yet to confess to my band leader. I play in a band that's in, in a church because it, it's a paying gig. I haven't confessed to him yet that I'm not a believer uh, because this podcast is using the name Richard Blaine, which is not the name that I use in real life. Um, not quite. And so... I'm working my way up to that. But anyway, I think Bring Your Brain, I think maybe it's a little insulting of a title. <clears throat> so maybe I would call it something else. I don't want to insult Christians. But I do want to encourage people to use critical thinking and not believe everything that they're told by adults. I mean... I think it's good to listen to adults, but when it comes to religion, it, make, it makes a lot of difference if your adults are Jewish, if your parents are Jewish or Christian or uh, went to Woodstock. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they loved Joni Mitchell. You're gonna, you never know what you're going to get and when you're a child and you have no control 
over being born, and all of a sudden, there you are, um, getting baptized when you're only one year old, or you're doing whatever they do in the Jewish faith at age 12, because that's what you do, because your parents are Jewish. But I think um, it would be great if children were given materials to help them explore what it, what a deity is, what it really means to believe in a God figure that is not a human being, that is not a species like anything that we've ever seen or heard. It's It could be an alien, but we don't believe in aliens, do we? So what is a God? And yet we have several very, very, very large religions in this world, there's Islam, there's Christianity, um, of course, Catholicism, Jewish faith, or whatever, <clears throat> that have already been sort of sewn up. We've already landed on this concept that there's a God, so we don't need to talk about that anymore. Of course, there's a God. We just need to talk about how to get to know him better, right? <clears throat> I'm going to take a swig of some moonshine real quick. Boy, they don't make it like that anywhere else. Or that could be Ozarka water, actually. But I don't know. I'll leave that up to you to decide whether I'm drinking moonshine or Ozarka water. But either, either way, I think uh, poor kids 